Uh, it's Thanksgiving week. Y'all, and it's snowing out there, which makes me think that principal, she knew, didn't she? She's talking about, I need some things for the snow boots, you know, some boot racks to be able, I don't know how she knew, but it decided it's going to be winter today. So I, I am, I'm fired up about Thanksgiving. Love me some Thanksgiving. It's such a good time. But it reminds me of a story. And it's a story I imagine you've heard before. Maybe you've even heard it from me. I don't know. But it's been around for a long time. I'm sure some pastor told me once upon a time. But the story says there was a newlywed couple. This is the Billy Eyes version, of course, right? But there's this newlywed couple, this husband and this wife. And the wife decides, man, it snowed for the first time this season. I'm going to make me a pot roast. And so she takes the meat and she cut this end off and she cuts this end off and she sets that meat aside and she starts to season this middle portion. And this new husband looks at her and says, honey, what are you doing? You're doing it wrong. Okay, you're like the other two services. Let me call time out because you didn't know. You didn't know. There's some stuff you ought not do. You shouldn't say certain things. It's against the rules. Now, if someone wants to critique the way you fold a fitted sheet, that's okay. It's okay to talk about the fitted sheet. See, I can't, I watch the YouTube videos. I still can't fold that fitted sheet correctly. I can't do it. So if Amy came up to me and she's, because I'm kind of, you may not know this about me. I'm particular about things, right? It's so like if I fold my pillowcases, no, the corners are going to match. There's a way to fold your pillowcases, right? There's a way to fold your socks. There's a wrong way and a right way. And not, so I'm just, I'm kind of picky about how I do some things, right? And so I do my things the way, but when it comes to the fitted sheet, if Amy said you're doing it wrong, I go, yes, ma'am, show me how to do it because I don't know how to do it. But there's some things you may not know. You, you just don't go there. Like it's off limits how someone mows the lawn. Leave the lawn alone. Don't critique someone's lawn mowing. They're putting their heart and their soul into it. They are. And it doesn't matter whether it's the kid, the mom, the dad. They're putting some heart into it. Maybe you've got an overachiever in your family, and they go 45 degrees. You know, just so here's the whole thing. They want at the end to step back, stand in the street, look at that lawn, and go, looks like a baseball field. You know, that's what they're wanting to do. They're wanting to get it just right. So don't mess with the dots or don't mess with their cooking. Right? When someone's cooking... They're putting their heart into it. They're, and this guy didn't know it, and so he messed up. And he said, what are you doing? You're doing it wrong. And she bristles up, and she says, I am not doing it wrong. Who are you? Like, my mama taught me to cook a roast. I know how to cook a roast. He's like, your mama taught I know what I'm going to do. So he takes his phone, calls up his mother-in-law. He's going to find out, right? He goes, <clears throat> hi, mom. Because when you're tight. When you're tight with your mother-in-law, you can say that, Mom. You can do it. And so he goes, hi, Mom. And he chit-chats with her. You know, you don't, if you don't know, if you're not married, listen. Don't just jump to business with your mother-in-law. You, you chit-chat a little bit. Act like you like her. Or you should really like her. <laughs> don't just act like you like her. Really like her. Like, that's important. You should really like her. And so anyway, really like her. And chit-chat for a little bit. And then get to business, you know. And, and so then he gets to business. He's like, so, Mom, I'm just wondering, like, you're daughter here says that you taught her to cut the ends off the roast. I'm just wondering, ma'am, why do you do that? And she goes, oh, well, you know, here's why I do it, because my mama is the best cook on the planet, and that's the way she does it. And he goes, Nana does it? Nana does it? Well, I'm, I'm going to call Nana. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. So he calls up Nana, and when he calls up Nana, he goes, hi, Nana. Okay, so here's something else you may not know. When you talk to mom, you can do the manly voice. You can do the, hi, mom. And that's okay. But when you talk to Nana, put some sugar on it. Like, you just got to, you got to be sweet when you're talking to Nana. And so, he, he, hi, Nana. Yeah. So, yeah, I was talking with your daughter. And, 
And, uh, you know, my mother-in-law, she says that he taught her to cook a roast and to cut the ends off. And now my wife, she cuts the ends off. And why do he cut the ends off? And she goes, oh, well, honey, I don't know why my daughter's doing it. And I don't know why, why your wife's doing it. I do it because I got a little bitty crock pot. See, and I got to get the meat to fit in the crock pot. That's why I've always done it. So, you know, that's the way. Like, we don't always know why we do the things we do. Do we? But I do love Thanksgiving. Like, I, I love the turkey, and I love the dressing, and I love the pumpkin pie. I even like the lions on TV on Thanksgiving Day. Like, I just, there's some traditions that we love. And as a church, we have some traditions. Like, we know we have a tradition. We're going to feed those who are hungry at Thanksgiving. Amen? Like, we're going to do this. This is something. doesn't matter what's going on with COVID. This is something we're going to do. It needs to happen. We know that Samaritan House needs a partnership to take those tags off the tree and provide Christmas for people. We're going to do this. It's a tradition we hang on to. And maybe the Christmas caroling thing that Ben told you about, maybe that will become a tradition. I don't know. Maybe it will, though. Just so you know, the plan originally was like caroling groups of like 25 or 30, like, through Romeo. It's going to be more like little ninja groups of 10 to 12 is what we're going to do. But we're just going to have a whole bunch of groups just blanketing the village of Romeo with Christmas caroling, which is awesome, right? And maybe you've wondered before, like, why do we do all this? Like, what's the point? What's the end goal? It takes us to our mission as a church. The mission of Woodside Bible Church is to help people belong to Christ, grow in Christ, and reach the world for Christ. With that in mind, let's take our Bibles and let's open up to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. Now, next week, we're going to start our Christmas series. It's going to be a series on the covenants, which will take us all the way to Christmas Eve with the new covenant that we have in Christ. Last week, we just finished a sermon series which means this is not next week and it's not last week. This is a standalone sermon. Every now and then, campus pastors are told, you can come up with your own big idea. You can, you can preach whatever text you want to preach on. So our text is going to be 1 Kings 19. Now, if you've been around the Bible for a while, if you've been around church for a while, then you know the name Elijah. Elijah is this prophet who's a fiery prophet. It's kind of funny. It's like a pastor joke because he went to heaven in a fiery chariot and he's a fiery prophet. Anyway, so that wasn't very funny at all. <laughs> at all. I should scratch that for the next service, which this is it. So, so much for that one. Anyway, no, he's everything that you think of when you think of prophet. He's bold. He's daring. He's got the pedigree. He's got the look. He's got the training. Elijah is this prophet who is aligned with the Lord. Elijah is like this rock star of the faith, if you will. Like that is Elijah. He is this person that when you think of prophet in the Old Testament, he's the picture you're going to find. Now, if you're new to the Bible, if you're new to church, when I say prophet, you're probably thinking, okay, I'm new to the Bible, but prophet, that's like prophecy. I understand prophecy, crystal ball, tell the future. I, yeah, I got it. Okay, it's not, it's not that type. An Old Testament Hebrew prophet, sometimes there was future telling, but oftentimes it was more of a foretelling. The Old Testament prophet would be the one speaking for the Lord to say, here's the Lord. He is the same. He doesn't change. And here's where you are. Here's what you're doing. Align your ways with God's ways. And oftentimes a prophet would say there's a certain amount of time. 
if you don't course correct in this certain amount of time, you're going to experience God's wrath. You're going to experience God's judgment. So turn from your wicked ways and turn to the Lord, right? That was the job of the prophet. The prophet was the one saying, you need to straighten up and fly right. Get your act together or the Lord is going to bring punishment. So that's Elijah. Don't get Elijah and Elisha confused. Those are two different individuals, Elijah and Elisha. So Elisha was looking at Elijah, going, man, that's what I'd love to be one day. That guy is the guy. In fact, Lord, if I could pray the most bold, daring prayer imaginable, I would love a double anointing of what he has. That's what the Lord did. So Elijah is recorded as doing eight miracles in Scripture. Elijah performed 16 miracles in Scripture. That's more miracles than anyone outside of Jesus. And yet there's something intriguing to me about Elisha that I just love. Elisha is just a guy, just a normal, ordinary guy, which is what you're going to see today. And that brings us to our big idea. Our big idea is that God uses ordinary people to advance his kingdom. God uses ordinary people to advance his kingdom. So again, advance his kingdom, that takes us back to our mission as a church. Help people belong to Christ, grow in Christ, and reach the world for Christ. Reach the world for Christ. Really? Can, can I just be real for a second? Here's what I've heard a lot of from people over the past two weeks. Reach the world for Christ. Pastor, right now, I'm just trying to figure out Thanksgiving. That's what I'm trying to figure out because on Thursday, I've got some family members mad that we're getting together. Others mad that not everybody's getting together. Some people are boycotting. Other people, I'm just trying to reach my family. I don't even know how to get a turkey right now. Like, what are we supposed to do? I don't have a recipe. What I just, I need Thursday. That's what I'm trying to figure out. And you're talking about reaching the world for Christ. That's kind of where we are. And what I love that we're going to see is we're going to see exactly how we go about that process of reaching the world for Christ. God's using ordinary people in the day and the moment that we are in to continue to advance his kingdom. So Israel at this point, church is so divided. Israel so, and when I say divided, I don't, I don't mean like a paradigm difference of this group and that group. Like, I think this. No, no, I think this. It's not that kind of divided. This means like literally the nation had been divided into two nations. That's the setting for what we're going to read. So we're starting out with Elijah. 1 Kings 19, verses 19 through 21. It says, so he, meaning Elijah, so he departed from there, and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12. Elijah passed by him, and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen, ran after Elijah, and said, Let me kiss my father, my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of oxen and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and he went after Elijah and assisted him. So here's what hits me right off the bat. I think sometimes when we think of helping people belong to Christ, that means go from that place of no faith to being a person of faith, grow in Christ. That's that discipleship process where you're teaching them the word of God. Reach the world for Christ, missionally go. 
with the whole purpose of telling another. Here's what I think. I think sometimes we are looking around the world around us to try to find Elijah to do it. We need the Elijahs. We need the rock stars of the faith. We need the ones who have the pedigree and the look and the whatever. That's what we're waiting for. And yet that's not the example that we see in Scripture. That's not what God's doing right here. Go back again. Let's look at it. Verse 19. So Elijah departed from there, and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of ox in front of him. He was with the 12. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. The first thing I want to point out is the name, Elisha. I would underline his name in your Bible, and I would write in the margin, God is salvation. That's what the name Elisha means. The name Elisha means God is salvation. In this environment where so many people are worshiping Baal, in this environment of political chaos, God is salvation. Isn't that powerful? That's the person that the Lord is pointing all this to. This is the prophet that God is going to raise up. Now, what's interesting, I didn't tell you this part earlier, is Elijah, the rock star prophet, Elijah's in a place of struggle right now. We don't often think like that, do we? We don't think about like these strong people of faith having struggles. We don't think about them feeling like they've been punched in the gut. We don't think about them being spiritually exhausted. Elijah is spiritually exhausted at this point. Here's what he says. He says, I, even I only am left. He is going to the Lord saying, Lord, I feel like there's no other people of faith that, that even exist. I'm looking around. These people are a mess. God, it's like I'm all by myself. There's no one else. And, and God kind of scolds him right here. And God's like, actually, there's 7,000. I'm God, I counted, right? There's actually like 7,000. And I want to introduce you to just one, because that's all you can handle right now. I'm going to introduce you to Elisha. Like, that's how all of this happened. And it says that Elisha, here's what he was doing. He was plowing with the 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. He's a farm boy. He's a farm boy. He is working on his mama and his daddy's farm. That's what he's doing. He, he's not a politician. He's not a TED Talk star. He's not a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. He's not any of that. He's just a farm boy working on his mama and his daddy's farm. That's what he's doing. He's with these oxen. Now think about that. It said he's behind that 12th pair. He's behind them. The cows behind them. Yeah, some of you are starting to picture this in your mind. Like, so he's walking, and he probably doesn't get to walk very far in a straight line, does he? Because he's going to be walking this like, oh, go to the left, and oh, go to the right, and step over, and because he's behind the oxen. And I think some of you probably identify with this right now, that your life right now, it's almost trying to avoid landmines with so much of the day. I don't want to say the wrong thing. If I say the wrong thing this week around the wrong family member, oh my goodness, everything's going to blow up into this huge fight. I've got to be so careful of everything I do. I need to walk through the house and look at the pictures. What pictures do I have up? Because if I have the wrong picture, someone might get mad. I've got to take that down. I've got to avoid the landmines. Maybe your work is like that right now. If I say the wrong thing around the wrong person at work, it blows up. Or at school, you know, it blows up. i just got to be so careful of where I step. That's kind of Elisha's world, right? Now, I read a book 
from a pastor. I can't remember which pastor. I can't remember which book, but I didn't come up with this. But he just talked about how mundane Elisha's life would have been. Again, he's walking behind the oxen. You can imagine what the smell would have been. The view isn't a lot better. I put, so I put on Facebook this week, and I said, hey, I need some help. Does anyone have some oxen? And um, the comments, you know, everyone's very helpful with the comments. But Joey actually said, well, I've got some cows. I can help. I can go get some pictures this afternoon. And he sent me like, I don't know how many, 20 pictures. He sent me a whole bunch of pictures. Here's, here's one, just to give you an idea of the view. <laughs> this is the view of Elisha. All day, every day, this ox bottoms. That's what he's, okay, I've got a real point I need to make. i got a real point in just a moment. But first, so he's got all these pictures. And here I am feeling so weird because I'm just looking at ox bottoms, cow bottoms, trying to figure out what are the best cow rear ends to show you guys. And uh, then he sent me another little message. It said, just see, and he said a whole bunch of stuff, but he just said, it felt kind of weird. And I think the cow started to get like a little suspicious like this. Look at this one. <laughs> this cow's like, all right, you're creeping me out. Stop. It's weird. Stop with the bottom pictures. Anyway, go back. Ox bottoms, I, I think the reality is every single one of us understand ox bottoms. I do. I don't care whether you're an engineer, a doctor, a nurse, a teacher, a kid. I think everyone right now understands this kind of life because it seems like right now more than ever, life is, hey, get up, do your thing, complete your thing, go to bed, get up in the morning, start all over again. Oh, you're doing good business? You hit your benchmarks? Great. Start over again next month. You're starting all over. Do it again. All right, moms, you're thinking, I'm not supposed to get around people, and yet I'm supposed to do this, and now it's snowing and ox bottoms, like all day. This is what I'm doing. I'm just, it's one thing after another, and I'm just continuing on. And teachers, you thought that we were going to go back to school and meet in person. Then you find out, oh, no, you got two whole days of that, and now go back to online and shift it again. And you're just like, even though it's constantly changing, it's just getting monotonous again and again and again. This is what I do. Kids, see, once upon a time, Life was normal, and you're like, I get a certain amount of data that I can, I can Spotify with, and I can play my games on, and watch my YouTube videos. Oh, now we changed it. Now you do school at home. And so all of that's put in there, and so you still got 10 days left, and you're getting locked down from the music, aren't you? You're getting, you can't stream any more music. We're locking you down. You're out of data for the month. And so that next month happens, and you're like, yes, I'm freed up again. It's, it's ox bottoms. I'm just... I'm just going through my thing to try to get through the next thing too, and it doesn't stop, it doesn't end. But here's what I love. Right in the midst of the monotony, you have an opportunity to help people belong to Christ, grow in Christ, and reach the world for Christ because that's the place that God wants to work. That place that you see as monotonous is exactly the place that God wants to work. You see, what we see in Elisha's life is he is being faithful. This is the parable of the talents, isn't it? He's being faithful with the little things of taking care of the ox. And so that's going to then be that place of I'm going to trust you with so much more. At the end of verse 19, that's where Elijah comes. And Elijah says at the end of verse 19, he went up to him and he threw his cloak around him. Do you know how powerful this moment is? This cloak that would have been filled with, it would have been made out of animal skin, animal fur. It would have been hefty. It would have been weighty. This moment, though, is so powerful. When Elijah puts it on him, 
he essentially says, Elisha, the thing that once covered me now covers you. The mantle that was upon me is now upon you. The things God did through me, he now wants to do through you. You will be the student and I will be your mentor. Do you hear how he just spoke life into him in this moment? Just by one simple act of putting the cloak on him. When's the last time you've done that? When's the last time you looked at someone and said, you have what it takes? Let me tell you, there's power in your words. There's power, and it matters when you look at someone and you say, no, you really do have the ability to help people belong to Christ. You truly can sit down and have that conversation that helps them go from darkness into light. You can show them the truth. To grow in Christ? No, you really can. You can take the Word of God. You can, you can open it up and study it with people, and as you're studying, you can say, hey, what does this tell us about God? What does this tell us about us? Now, what are we supposed to do about it? You can help people grow in Christ. Reach the world for Christ. Look someone in the eye and tell them, no, you really can do this. You absolutely have the ability to go in the name of Jesus to go. And if when I ask how long it's been, if you have to stop and really think about it, church has been too long. Don't hold that in. Allow this Thanksgiving for someone to be the Thanksgiving that they experienced like never before, all because you paused and spoke life into someone. This is such a powerful moment. And then look at the response of Elisha. Here in verse 20, what happens, Elisha, or Elijah puts the cloak around him. Then in verse 20, Elisha, it says, left the oxen, ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and mother and I will follow you. He didn't know the plan, church. And we like plans, don't we? We like all the details. He doesn't get the details. He doesn't get any of that. And yet he's 100% obedient. You don't need all the details to be 100% obedient. But you know what we do? We make excuses. Not good ones. No, pretty lame excuses. Like right now, think about what's the thing where God's calling you to take a step? I don't know what that thing is for you. Maybe it's in volunteering. Maybe it's in being generous. Maybe it's in adoption. Maybe, it, I, don't, I don't know what it is. But you know what we do? We come up with such weird excuses. We'll say this. We'll say, well, Lord, I would, but I'm real busy. Like he should go get the unbusy person because they're, they're running around all over the place, y'all. All those unbusy people running around, right? No, that's what we do. We say, but Lord, I'm so busy. Right? Well, I, Lord, if I just had more finances, I would. Isn't that what we do? Lord, volunteer. I would volunteer, but what if the kids ask something and I don't know the answer? I don't want to be dumb. You know, I don't. I won't be that guy. I don't want to be the guy who looks like I don't know all the answers. And so I don't know. We come up with all these excuses. And I think we read this, and sometimes if we knew the Lord was calling us to do something, what we would say is we would try to call a timeout, and we would say, you know, if I could just, if I could make a list of pros and cons, that would really help. You know, because then I could see it and I could weigh it out. I, if I could get on Instagram so I could make one of those really cool polls with just my friends where they could say yes or no, and then when they vote, it gets like the little measuring thing, you know, and that would help me. Then I would know whether I'm really supposed to do it or not. Do you see what Elisha does? Elisha says, no, let me kiss mom and dad bye. I'm in. The answer is yes. I'll be obedient. I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm saying yes to, but I'm saying yes. I'm in. My faith is that big in the Lord. Whatever he has planned is better than whatever I had planned. Verse 21, and he returned from following him. He took the yoke of oxen 
and he sacrificed them, and he boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen, gave it to the people, and they ate. He arose, and he went after Elijah and assisted them. Did, did you see what just happened? He took these cows that supported him, that supported his family, and he boiled them. And then not only did he boil them, he then served them to the greater community. Do you hear the accountability there? Like, this isn't for me. Or I'm making this decision before the Lord in private so no one knows. It's like, no, I'm sharing this with my life group. I'm sharing this with, with the community. I'm sharing this with everyone. When we saw, there were two baptisms in the second service. Those individuals said, my faith is not this private thing that I'm trying to keep hidden in secret. I'm declaring it in front of the community. That's what we see right here. We see this bold declaration of, I'm going to boil the cows and burn the plows. That's what we're going to do. There's no plan B. There's plan A. Reminds me of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 when he says, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Elisha's single-minded here. This ordinary, normal guy who is going about his day. That's all he was doing, going about his day, plowing the fields with the cows, looking at the ox bottoms all day. Just took a step of faith. That's all he did. I love that I get to be in the position to have a front row seat to hear your stories of faith and to see it play out. Uh, next weekend, we're going to have someone sharing a story about how this week hurt their house almost like literally two minutes, within two minutes of their whole house blowing up. Just incredible. There's a lot of smoke damage and stuff in, in the house now. And to see this family say, no, I am more full of faith than ever. The Lord's just so good. Yeah, things smell a little bit. That's all right. We got each other. We're good. The Lord has blessed us in incredible ways. It's so powerful. But there's got to be that line that says, there was who I was before, and there's who the Lord's called me to be. And I'm not going back. I'm never going back. That's what we see. I'm going to burn the plows. There's no plan B. There's plan A. There's following the Lord. Now, next week, next week, we'll start our Christmas season. We won't be decorated next week. It's going to take us two weeks to get everything decorated, but you're going to love it. Like, it is going to look like Woodside Romeo in here at Christmas time. It is going to be, it's going to be amazing up here. I can't wait for it. But starting next week, the movies will start, won't they? And I love Christmas movies. I love all the Christmas movies, all of them. And um, I do have a favorite, though, favorite scene, and that would be the Charlie Brown Christmas special, you know, where Linus gets his blankie, the blue blankie, and he stands up in front of everyone. He says, lights, please. And the lights all go out, and then he quotes Luke chapter 2. I love that scene. I think some of us are like that sometimes. I think sometimes we have our, our blue blankie with us, don't we? Like, I'll, I'll follow the Lord. I'll take a step. I just want to make sure my security blanket is close just in case I don't want to follow the Lord. I, I never had a blue blankie. Gabe had a blue blankie growing up. I didn't have a blue blankie. I had a, he did, blue blankie. I, uh, I had a cookie monster with rattly eyes. That's what I had. But um, whatever. I think as adults, though, we, we maybe don't carry around our stuffed animal as much or our blankets as much. But we still have those safety nets, don't we? Our education, our careers, our family, our neighborhood, our house, we have that security blanket that we always want to fall back to. I want you to look at this example of Elisha. No plan B, only plan A, trust the Lord. And so as I've been speaking, I, 
I have zero doubt that the Lord has been stirring in so many of you, that you know what that step of faith for you is. For Elisha, it was plows and cows, right? It was follow Elijah and don't, don't hold back. What is it for you? We're getting ready to go into a Thanksgiving season. And then the Christmas season. For you, what's that step? Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe in following the Lord, he's calling you out to forgive someone. And you've been holding on to that. Plan. I, I would forgive. I would forgive. But you know, they really hurt me. Friends, can I tell you something? That's, that's the point of forgiveness. You don't need to forgive if they didn't hurt you. That's how it works. You only need to forgive if you were hurt. So maybe you need to take on the yoke of the Lord for his yoke is light. And you need to let go of that this Thanksgiving. It's going to be the most freeing thing you've ever done. Maybe the Lord has been stirring in you in the area of generosity. You've heard all these stories this morning, which as you're listening, you're thinking, I, I want in on that. I want to be part of that. See, we, we live out, help people belong to Christ, grow in Christ, and reach the world th through Christ. We do that through our values. We are family. Man, we are this church family where we want to be in each other's spaces and doing this mission together. Right? We have a radical compassion for people. Church for all people. Not just your neighbor. Not just the people in this building. All people. We have radical compassion for all people. We do want to live generously. And when we talk about generously, I think what I love about that is it forces us to the posture of selflessness, which makes us live more as Christ, doesn't it? And so maybe that's the step you're needing to take, and you're struggling with that. It's a really hard step for you to take. Maybe for you, it's you haven't been baptized. You place your faith in Christ, but you've never been baptized. Maybe it's in the area of volunteering. Here's the thing. I don't know what your step is. But I fully expect we have some people in this room right now, a lot of people in this room. Every service has so many people who have said, Pastor, that's me. Will you pray for me? And in a second, I'll give you a chance to do that. Just to put your hand up and say, I want to take that step of faith. But will you pray for me as I'm preparing to do that? In just a moment, I'll give you a chance to do that. thing is, I think there's other people in this room who maybe you've never placed your faith in Christ. Maybe this Thanksgiving and Christmas season, right now your heart has been hurting because you're going, I'm confused. I don't understand why. Why the Lord would this and why the Lord would that if there is a God? And you've been struggling with that. Because you've seen people who are religious and you said to yourself, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want anything to do with religion. But what you've heard today from the word of God, you're like, but this is different. This is faith. That's something that sounds like it's worth giving my life to. Let me explain real quick. This this isn't because we're trying to be morally good. It's not because we're trying to earn God's favor. It's because we, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we recognize that we have fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. And in that place of recognizing that we're not perfect, God still loved us. Even then, he still loved us. And as hard as we try to be perfect, we'll never be perfect. But that's when Jesus came. And he lived and he died. He paid the price for our sins on the cross. Once and for all, he paid it. You don't have to try to repay it all the time. Jesus paid for the sins of the entire world on the cross. On the third day, he conquered death and rose again. And you see, when you make Jesus Lord of your life, 
When you make Jesus Lord of your life, that old you dies and goes away. The new you is here. It is where you burn the plows. It is where you eat the cows. That's what happens in that moment. And it changes everything. So maybe for you today, this is the day that you need to surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Let's pray, church. Again, I know a lot of you in this room, you feel like portions of the sermon was talking straight to you. When I was talking to those of you who are Christians, your followers of Jesus, and, and I was talking about those steps of faith that you need to take. If you know that there's a step of faith you need to take and you want me to pray for you right now, we just raise your hand straight up. Just raise it. Yeah, that's me. I know, I know there's some areas in my life. I need to take that step. I just want you to know there's hands up everywhere. Father, I thank you. I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are bold enough to say, I recognize you, Lord. I know the Holy Spirit is moving in my life and I need to make some adjustments. So, Lord, will you get those compassion who need to have compassion? They need to learn to look outside of their own situations to see the world around and say, that's, that's the area I need to press in. Lord, will you give us hearts of grace and mercy? Because it is hard to forgive when someone hurts us. It is it's so hard to forgive when someone has hurt someone close to us. Lord, give us hearts of grace. Help us to let go of that junk. We don't need to be carrying it around this Thanksgiving season. He died on the cross so that we could be free, not, not be burdened by this stuff. Lord, will you mend the relationships that need mended? Will you give us hearts that are incredibly generous? We give a boldness to us to speak truth to those around us. To not shy away from holiness because you're holy. Lord, will you heal the hearts of those who are hurting this morning? Will you give courage to those who are struggling in their faith? God, will you just take us as ordinary people, just normal people? And show us what it means to be faithful, even in what feels mundane. Still with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you um, have never surrendered your life to Christ, I want you to know it's, it's not filling out a card. It's not putting your hands up. It's not saying a magic prayer that gives you right standing with God. It's only through faith in Christ. And so if you've never done that, I just want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. And maybe you don't even know what to pray, so I will pray. But again, you don't have to echo my words. You can just, between you and the Lord right now, you can just say, God, I believe that you love me. I love you too. God, I know I'm not perfect. I know I've sinned. And I know that sin has caused a void between me and you. And Lord, I've tried in my life. I've tried to bridge that gap, but on my own, I know I can't do it. I've tried. But Lord, I believe that's why Jesus came. And he lived a perfect life, a sinless life. Jesus, I believe that's why you were crucified, because you were paying for my sins on the cross. 
But I believe that you lived and you died and you rose again. Jesus, I'm placing my faith in you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for making me new. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 If that was you, I um, want you to do this. You probably came with someone. Will you make sure to tell them today what just happened? Don't keep it a secret. Right? This is not about... You can't burn the plows and kill the cows in secret, right? That's done in community. So make sure you tell that person. Uh, don't hesitate. I'll, I'll be out there. You can grab me. You can tell me. You can tell Brad. You can tell any of the staff or elders. We would love to talk to you about what those next steps in your faith look like. Church, let's stand as we close our morning and worship together.